If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the book of Colossians, we'll be turning there in just a moment, Colossians chapter 1. But before we get there, many of y'all know something that took place this year from June 23rd through July 10th. No, it wasn't a festival. It was the opposite of that. June 23rd through July 10th, the world was captivated by 12 soccer boys and one coach. In Thailand, who were stranded in a cave. It seemed relatively fun and interesting to get in the cave, but it was impossible for them to get out of that cave by themselves. Many of you know the story? Raise your hand. Okay, so you know where we're going here. They got in the cave by themselves. But they could not get out. It was an impossible situation. The only hope, listen, the only hope that these boys and this coach had was for someone else to rescue them. They couldn't do it by themselves. Enter a man named Simon Gunan. Simon Gunan was a Navy SEAL. He was a triathlete. He was one of few people who had the ability to save them. He braved the darkness. He braved the many hours underwater. Not just swimming in water, but underwater. He was the few, one of the few people who had the ability to save them. But... For him to do it, it ultimately cost him his life. His sacrifice brought those 12 boys and that coach their salvation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 says this. In the midst of a wonderful prayer that that Paul is praying for the believers in Colossae, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has done some awesome stuff for us. It says, who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption The forgiveness of sins. You see, whether we care to admit it or not, we're a lot like those 12 boys in that coach. Okay? We enter into a world, and it's relatively easy for us to get in situations, to get into sin, to rebel against our parents, To see what God's word has to say and say, nah, that's not for me right now. That's for everyone else, but that's not for me right now. It's simple to say, I know what the heart of God may be in this situation, but I want to do it my way. Again, we're all really good at getting into the cave. None of us are good enough to get out alone. So what I want to share, uh, just five points from this passage on how Jesus rescues us on how Jesus rescues us number one this is so crucial Jesus rescues us by number one he makes us worthy 
of rescue. Whoa, let that sink in for a minute. He makes us worthy of rescue. Colossians 1.12 says this, we give thanks to the Father. Why? Because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What this means though is there is a time when we were unqualified. We were unfit. We were unable to share in the inheritance in the saints of light. Well, you don't know me. I, I do some really neat stuff. It doesn't matter how neat or how great a stuff you do. When you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Okay, imagine being in a cave that's 30 feet deep. 30 feet deep. Now, me, I'm 5'11 and three quarters. Got to get that in there. Almost six foot. I think I'm shrinking now, but a 5'11 and three quarters, okay? And I could jump, and the highest I could jump with my, tip, my, my tips of my fingers is probably about nine and a half, close to 10 feet. Not really, but I, I still pretend like I, I can, okay? So that's as high as I 10 feet. That's not very good, all right? Imagine me being in this cave with the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Okay? One of the great basketball heroes of the 80s and the 90s, all right? Uh, has the, the best record in NBA as far as uh, shooting. He still holds that record to this day. He can jump very high. I would guess that he would be able to jump as high as he could. In his prime, he could probably jump maybe 12, 13 feet. Now, we're in a cave that's 30 feet deep. We can't climb our way out. The only way for us to potentially get out is to leap. I can only jump 10. He could jump 15. Boy, he's got some bragging to do, doesn't he? But he's still in trouble because he can't jump 30 feet. What he and I desperately need is from someone who's up on the top to throw us a rope. No bragging here, folks. We're all in trouble. We're all unfit. We're all unqualified to, to meet the righteous demands of a holy God. Enter the Father. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance in the saints of light. You, we have to get to this point where we're not worthy. The Apostle Paul would say it this way in Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 3. Paul says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, every one of us, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. What this is saying is we are in big trouble. And many times we want to forget this. Okay? We want to neglect this and we want to build our own kingdom to heaven. And it'll never work. And even some churches, I'm sad to say, even some churches want to remove this thought from the hearts and the minds of everyone. Does anybody know that great hymn, Amazing Grace? Raise your hand. Okay? Just about every one of you. How does it go? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that... 
Okay? Do you know that there are churches that are rewriting that song? There are churches that are rewriting it to this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a soul like me. That saved a soul like me. You know what that pictures in our minds? Oh, you're a precious soul. That's what you are. You're a precious soul, just like a cute kid in the nursery. You just want to pinch their cheeks. You're so excited for them. It's like, inherently, you're pretty good. You're just a precious little soul. But one day, one day, you're about 90% good, but you've got that 10% bad. Jesus will help you with that 10%. That's not what the author of Amazing Grace said. He said, I am a wretch. I am 100% guilty, 0% able to do anything about it. And what I need desperately is God's amazing grace to save a wretched person like myself. We cannot, we cannot change God's word. We cannot change the theology, theology of the scriptures. And the way people begin to do that is by changing great hymns, great songs. We can't do that, folks. But here's the good news. That was bad news. I get it. That was bad. That's pretty rough. But here's good news. God, he is the one who places value on you. Not cosmopolitan. Okay? Uh, Not Facebook. It is amazing how we have opinions galore. And we have so many judges in our life. I told you before, the the big wedding that happened uh, just a few months ago in England, right? Everyone in awe over the wedding in England. Oh my goodness, Megan and, and Prince and all that stuff. Not Prince, the singer, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, they're beautiful wedding. You know what happened afterwards? Instead of saying, oh, that was a wonderful wedding, did you see the dress she wore? Oh my goodness. Really? I mean, people just want to pick and pick and pick. When somebody gets up to say something important or apologize about something, well, his eyes were a little off, so he didn't really mean it. We always are judging people all over the place. Well, I got some great news for you. There's only one person whose opinion matters, and that's God's. You want to know how valuable you are? Look to God's word. And God's word tells you that you are of infinite value, not because of something within yourself. But because you were, number one, made in God's image, and number two, you were bought with a high and holy price. Listen to the rest of Ephesians 2. 2.4 says this, But God, okay, we were wretched, we were children of wrath, we were dead, unable to do anything about ourselves. When you're dead, you're dead. Listen, and first responders hear this in the back of the room there. We got a, uh, an AED, is that what it's called? IUD? No, not IUD. AED? <laughs> AUD? Oh, Doc! <laughs> We have a safety committee. Hey, hang in there, guys. Okay. We got a defibrillator. Okay. In the back there. Okay. If I... Breathe. Okay. If I were to suddenly right now fall down dead, here's what I cannot do. Ouch. My heart just stopped. I need to go back there and charge myself up, right? I can't do that. I am utterly incapable of saving myself if I am dead. That's exactly what the Bible says we were. But God, listen to this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive 
together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast about it. What that means, what that awesome passage means is, there was a time when we weren't worthy. But then God stepped in. And he paid the price for us. He made us worthy by grace, not of our undoing. Our own doing, it is a gift of God to which some of you may be saying, yeah, that may work for some people, but I'm not worthy of grace. You're right. Neither is anybody. That's why it's grace. Grace is unmerited. You can't work for it favor. It's a gift. You don't work for a gift. You work for a paycheck. You don't work for a gift. God has given it to everybody, everybody. And you're like, but you don't understand the sins that I've committed. Listen, I may not know the specific sins you've committed, but I've done it too. You've lusted, I've lusted. You've committed adultery in your heart or in your actions. Folks, we're all there. The scripture says, and some of you, well, I've lied before. I've lied big time. We've all been there. The scripture says, if you offend the law in one point, you offend it in all points. We're all guilty in and of ourselves. All of us are in need of the grace and mercy of God. And you're still, you're still trying to fight the ultimate judge of the world who wants to forgive you. He says, the bigger the issue, the greater the grace. If Jesus were to have a work van, okay, imagine that. Jesus having a work van, it will not say this. It will not say no job too small. It will say no job too big. Because in Romans 5, at the very end of that chapter, he says, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. What that means to use uh, the scripture Greek version, where grace, I mean, where sin is really, really uh, high, grace is even super higher. That's what's so amazing about God's grace. It is enough for you. It is enough for you. God makes us worthy of rescue. Now that we've become worthy, let's go to number two. He delivers us from danger. He delivers us from danger. Colossians 1.13 says this. He, speaking of God in Christ, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Now the domain of darkness is a place. Think of it as a kingdom, a domain, a place where you reside. It is a place of darkness, despair, Guilt and it is ruled. You know who the rulers are? Sin, self, and Satan. There's your three points, three S's. I'm a good Baptist, right? You got your three points. You that kingdom, that domain of darkness is ruled by sin, self, and Satan. Those are the people who trap you, who guilt you, who shame you, who cause you to ultimately look away from God because you don't think that that God would even dare look your way, and it causes you to live forever separated from him. But the scripture says this, he has delivered us. That term means he has rescued us from that domain of darkness. Meaning this, Jesus, because he made us worthy of rescue, now he rescues us from sin, from death, and from hell. That is amazing. 
Paul the Apostle, after grasping the truth of that, the fact that he has been, he has been rescued from danger, he says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin. And the power of that sin is the law, which I can never keep. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory because God fulfilled the law for us fully and completely. Who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is looking at his life and he's saying, wait a minute. I have been delivered from all my sin, all my junk, all my wretchedness because of the sacrifice of Christ. He went down into the cave, into the waters, and he took my place. More than enough. That God would do that for you. And he would do that for me. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it. It's a free gift from God to you. If that were it, it would be enough. But it's not. God wants more than just to, to free you. Heard a story uh, about a, a kingdom who uh, the king was, he was looking over his, his land and, and the people within the, the, the capital of his city. And they said, crime is, is getting horrendous. And one of the biggest things that's going on in our kingdom is prostitution. I mean, it's running rampant. And we, we keep putting them in jail uh, and putting more in jail and putting our jails are getting full. We don't know what to do. The king did this. He said, I'm going to make a decree starting j- just for today. I want you to go down to the prison and I want you to unlock the doors and tell all of those who, su- who, who are paying for that crime, for prostitution, you are free to go. That's pretty cool. So all the prostitutes went out and they got hungry. So what did they do? They went back to prostitution, right? They went back to the same old life. So the next day they were all back in prison. Okay? They were set free, but they still sinned. And so the king said, here's what we need to do. The next day, not only are we going to set them free, I'm going to have them come live in my palace where they will have the food that they need. They will have the sleep that they need. They will have the love that they need. That is what God did for us. Not only did he deliver us from danger, but number three, he places us in his care. Look at verse 13. Colossians 1.13 says, not only has he delivered us from the domain of darkness, but listen to this. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's what happened. There's a domain of darkness that he takes us out of, okay? By faith and trust in Christ, he's taken us out of that, but then he doesn't just leave us to be by ourselves. He takes us and he adopts us. He brings us into his love, into his family, into his care. So he rescues us from sin, death, and hell, but he transfers us into his righteousness, his life, and his heaven. You know what's so amazingly different about these two kingdoms? The first kingdom, you contributed to the problem. 
Okay? You're part of the reason why it's called the domain of darkness. Because you and I are dark. Okay? Left to ourselves, we are some messed up people. If you're messed up, say, that's me. That's me. We're messed up people. All right? And so Satan's got his issues. Uh, we've got our issues. And we're all part of the domain of darkness. But we've been transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. We do nothing to allow that title to be called a loving kingdom. That's all Jesus. And we become the recipients of that through adoption. Listen to what the scripture says, Romans eight fifteen through 17. Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Okay? You didn't just get free and then go back to your old life. He says, But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, of whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children of God, then we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That is an amazing concept. The fact that you and I, as crazy as and unworthy as we were, that Jesus would make us worthy, he would deliver us from the domain of darkness, put us into his own family, and listen to this, Every goodness that Jesus has, we now have. And he did it willfully. He wanted to do it. He didn't have to. He wanted to experience eternity with you. If you would believe in his son. He did that for you. He wants to rescue you. Can you believe the king of the universe... The one who makes the stars and the atoms just by, by speaking a word. He wants you. He made you. And he wants to be with you forever. So much, in fact, that he wants to adopt you. He doesn't just want you in his galaxy. He doesn't want you just on a planet of his. He wants you in his home forever. A place called heaven. Wow. That's pretty awesome. Number four, he purchases our freedom. You know, it doesn't just happen. God is a just God. What I mean by that is God doesn't sweep anything under the rug. God is a God who does all things good and right and just and holy. He does it all the right way. So if there's sin, God's going to deal with it. God is going to judge it. He has to. Only a just judge would do that. No one would sweep it under the rug. So that means that there's a penalty. Someone has to pay for it. And who does it? He does. Listen to this. Colossians 1.14. It says, In whom we have redemption. Speaking of Jesus. In whom we have redemption. He purchases our freedom. He, the word redemption means to buy back. To buy back from slavery. Think about that. We were enslaved to sin. We were enslaved even more so. To the holiness of God. Because we couldn't, we couldn't meet it. We couldn't meet that standard. So don't get this idea that Jesus had a paycheck. And he wrote a check of his life. And he had to hand it over to Satan to pay for. Listen, Satan's in the same mess that we were. All right, Satan's a condemned person. All right? what, what did Jesus have to pay? What was the payment? It wasn't due to Satan. It was due to God. Because he is a holy God. Every sin is ultimately an offense against him. 
The scripture says that Jesus is a crazy big word in Romans chapter 3 and also in 1 John uh, chapter 1, it says, chapter 2, excuse me. It says that he is the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means that he, he satisfies the wrath of God by his death for us. That's crazy big stuff. But what that basically means is Jesus purchases our freedom. To put it as best I can, and I can't even put it in any way good, so I'll let the scripture speak for itself. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. One of, to me, one of my favorite verses uh, of scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 just puts it so succinctly. The scripture says, for our sake, for our sake, because we were in trouble, for our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That says it all. Here's what it says here. God made Jesus who knew no sin. Never knew sin. Okay? He was tempted in every way that you and I were, yet without sin. But to save us, to purchase our freedom, God put all the sins of the world, all my billions of sins that I commit consistently and yours. He put all of our sins on Jesus when he was on the cross. And Jesus, who never sinned, according to the scripture, became sin for us. I cannot fathom that. I cannot fathom that God would love me that much. That he would take all my sin and all my punishment upon himself and die the death that I deserved. And that he would do it because he loved me and he loved you and he wanted to. But that's not the end of it. It says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin. Okay? But then it says, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He doesn't just take our sins away from us and leave uh, the file of our life empty. It says he takes our sin from us, pays for it, but then all of Jesus' goodness, all of Jesus' righteousness, God never disobeyed the Father. He put all of his righteousness on our account. Which means this, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he rescues you so much That when God the Father sees us, you and I, he sees us just as though we obeyed like Jesus did. Just as though we lived like Jesus did. And God, twice in the scriptures, God the Father speaks from heaven towards Jesus at Jesus' baptism and at a thing when Jesus was on a mountain and he was transfigured. Crazy story. All right. Both times, God says, This is my beloved son. So what that tells us is if you have trusted in Christ, here's what God says about you. You, 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 every one of you are his beloved child. Because Jesus took your sin away and put his righteousness on your account. Again, for our sake, he made him who uh, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are free. We are free because of him, not us. And number five, finally. None of this was enough. He forgives our sin. 
Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption. We've been bought back from slavery. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Imagine that. The fact, the only judge that matters in our life declares us not guilty. That's why, if you're familiar with the Easter story, when Jesus is on the cross, you had two other thieves hanging as well. One of them, he was in trouble. He was just dealing with it, just frustrated, hoping to somehow escape so that he could live a few more years of doing his own thing. There was another one who lived his whole life in full of sin, full of theft, full of all the things that he justfully was on the cross for. And in his final moments, in agony and in absolute desperation, he realized he was in a cave he could not get out of. And he looked to Jesus. He didn't know the f- fancy words of the times. He didn't know uh, the cool prayers that we pray. He didn't know the King James Version. It's, there were still 1,600 more years to go. He didn't know all the these and thous. All he could do is say, Jesus, would you just remember me? Jesus knew the very depth of his heart that he believed. And Jesus told this person who could do no good anymore. He couldn't wash Jesus' feet. His feet were, uh, were nailed to a cross. He couldn't help uh, wonderful, uh, sweet people cross the road because his feet were nailed to a cross. He couldn't shout aloud and sing great praises because his lungs were filling up with blood and water. The only thing he can do is trust in the one beside him to save his soul. Listen, God did. And he could do it for you. He could do it for you. God forgives our sins. One of my other favorite passages. Boy, I'm throwing out some favorite ones today. 1 John 1.9. This speaks to my soul so often because I sin so often. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, the word confess means to agree with God. It's not just saying it. It's saying, God, that's me. I'm the problem. I made a mistake here. I spoke unkind words to my wife. I looked at things I shouldn't look at. I said some things that I wish I could take back. I went a little too fast on the road. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) um, All these things. I come to God. I say, God, I'm the problem. I confess my sin to you. Look at, look at what the scripture says. This is so amazing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. You know what the word faithful means? You know what it means. Someone who is, who is always to be relied upon, right? There's a faithful person. It means this. If we, can, if we confess our sins, God is always going to do something about it. And it says he is just, means he's able to. Nobody else is able to forgive sins. Only, only God is. So he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us of our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can he do that? Because of the complete, finished work of Christ on the cross. That means that Christ has forgiven all my sins of the past. I can't change my past. I'm in trouble. Not anymore because of what Christ has done. He has forgiven me of my present sins. 
And he has forgiven me of my future sins. That's crazy. That's a little, that's, that's weird. That's scandalous. Yes, it is. It is that scandalous. Which, well, then if that's the case, can I just go ahead and keep on sinning? Well, if you read uh, after Romans 5, where, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Chapter 6 says, so should we just keep sinning so that God's grace will happen? He says, no, because every time you sin, you, you put yourself back into slavery. God has set us free. Why would we want to go back into slavery? Why would we want to do such a thing and offend the great God who saved us and hurt those people around us? No, God has set us free and he has given us forgiveness of our sins. Let me wrap this up in a, in a verse you've already heard today. And it makes so much sense for all of us because every one of us need to be rescued. As I said at the very beginning of our, of our message, <clears throat> there was a man named Saman Gunan. He was able to bring the supplies Needed for these kids to get saved. But in order to do so. He would have to go past the bounds. Of human capacity. Which ultimately led to his death. But because he was able to do. That great act of bravery and courage. 13 people are alive today. Listen. Because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Heaven has our loved ones. Because of the saving work of Christ, you can have the hope, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, that you will be with God and your loved ones in heaven forever. For the scripture says this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. You know, I'm going to say that again, but instead of saying the world, I want you to shout your name. All right, you ready? Here we go. For God so loved Scott that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Every one of us is in need of rescuing. Which one of us will receive his rescue? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. For the fact that we have visual and visible examples of your saving grace in our first responders. God, who go to places, they go toward where everyone else goes away from. They go into harm's way knowing that there will be more evil than good where they go. They go in some places, they get close to some disease and they go to some places of great harm in order to rescue those who cannot save themselves. God, that is a beautiful picture of your saving work for us. On a greater scale, Father God, it's eternity. So God, my prayer is that everyone in this room would be rescued by you, Father. God, to some, it's to rescue from sin, death, and hell. By trusting and the only one who can rescue them, and that's Jesus Christ, who died already. They, you already paid for their sin. You're just calling them to receive it, not to reject it. God, give them the courage to receive your saving faith and grace. God, some of us have already been saved by you, but God, we, we went back into slavery. 
we're still struggling to be free from sins, pet sins in our lives that maybe no one else knows about. God, rescue us. Rescue us this very moment, we pray. Give us the courage to cry out to you for freedom. God, rescue us, Lord, who are struggling in our families. Some of us may be a word or an action away from divorce. God, that you would swoop in and do what only you can do. God, that you would surround this couple with people who love them and people who who want to show them in love your truth. God, save these marriages that are falling apart. Father God, if it be your will, rescue some of us in this very room today who are struggling with a major health issue. That God, unless you intervene, time is limited. God, would you come? Would you rescue? Would you heal? God, give us in this very moment the faith in you that we would be willing to come to this altar and to lay down the slavery that we are wrapped up in and trust in your freedom. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.